time it was a little interesting especially after everything we've been through dissecting everything right uh, definitely man definitely I'm not gonna lie I went with a went with my family my son really wanted to go see the show he's eight years old freaking he had a blast freaking knew all the chants busted out some settle me at all freaking uh if he liked who he liked he hated who he hated no I saw the video that Miss Morales posted of uh, Morales Jr. he was uh just as happy as a three-year-old going to freaking uh, Sesame Street, man. Yeah, he was excited. Looking forward to it all day. I ended up having to run up there early because I didn't pay attention when they uh, sent me my receipts for the tickets. Apparently, you had to be there before the show to claim them, so I freaking took off and ran up there real quickly since like it's not you know too far from my house. Freaking, um, but yeah, no, I ended up having to run up there and get the tickets. Lady was like, oh, can I help you? And I was like, oh, just here to pick up some tickets. She's like, oh, there's nobody there. And one of the things was like, I'll be back in two minutes, five minutes, and she was back. So I went over there to get my tickets, and the same lady popped her head out just to kind of make sure everything was aesthetic. Make sure I wasn't trying to, like, hunt down any back people in the backstage or nothing, I think. But right. who knows? But uh, no, she was like, uh, she was like, you're not, uh, you're not, what was, that? what was the name? It was for the sake for the sake of the uh, just to be on the safe side. I'm gonna call him Jose Martinez. Okay, Mr. You're, Jose you're not Jose Martinez, are you? I was like, no, no, no. My name's Tony. So freaking uh, there. I, then I was like, and I thought about it afterwards. I was like, what if this Jose Martinez has has better seats than I do? <laughs> Or there's a photo of Jose Martinez at all the fucking ticket places, like like beware of this gentleman, <laughs> or do not take yeah, checks. I, thought, I hadn't thought about that, but I was like, what if Jose Martinez is like a personal friend of Tony Khan, and he got him like special <laughs> seats? And I could be like front row and backstage. And for you, I was like, it, it could have been anything, but yeah, no, I was I was not Jose Martinez. I can't remember the actual name they used. It was a, it was a Distinctly Hispanic last name or name. So, so Rodriguez Martinez de Guadalupe. Yeah, possibly. But yeah, no, it was uh, I went up there because 
I'm not gonna lie, I didn't want to be that dad being like, "Oh, I didn't get the ticket, so we can't go." Yeah. No, definitely didn't want to be that guy. So I definitely made it a made a quick stop to acquire the tickets, which wasn't too far out of the way. Luckily, you know, it's nice to uh, go to a national wrestling show and then still be back in your house by nine thirty. Yeah, that was nice, man. When you said like let's record tonight, I'm like I wasn't thinking we were getting home till like midnight. Like we left uh, right in the middle of the acclaim after we saw all the good stuff and beat the traffic. We were home in like 20 minutes. I stayed to the whole show and still beat traffic. Nice. It's one of the one of the good things about knowing the back way is being able to stay off the interstate. No, I feel you, man. I we just wanted to make sure we didn't miss it. Age had to uh, fuck fucking uh, get home because he's got to go work in the morning. He works, he had like four hours of sleep last night. Dude, I felt like a baller day, man. I'm not going to lie, man. We had uh, fucking primo tickets. Uh, fucking, I had uh, Cody and Age stop over. I made some, rather than us get some bullshit fucking pizza or something like that, I made full spread enchiladas. Um, and we hit the, then we hit the road, man. It was, uh, it was, I got to say, man, and I'm ashamed to say this, man, but the past couple months, man, I didn't even want to look in the direction of wrestling for a while. Oh, it makes sense, man. It makes sense. And it's, you know, I, I talked to you about this a couple months ago, and I talked to my old lady about it. Like, it's, there's no denying that wrestling is part of my identity. Okay. And um, it was good to be able to enjoy the show. Uh, I got a lot of ideas from uh, production stance. Um, it was just nice to enjoy the show. That was it. Sit there and chill. Uh, it was, man. It's definitely uh, a different feel being there live. You're, you're, you're feeding off people. You're getting involved in the chants. You know, for me, you know, having my son there and having him, you know, like I said, he knows who everybody is. He knows the chants. You know, he, he likes who he likes. He doesn't like who he doesn't like. And, you know, having him, having him have his opinions on who he likes and, you know, even, you know, not even even if they're different than mine, but especially when they're different than mine, it's it's nice. It's nice to see him kind of pick and choose his own people. No, I agree. I agree 100%. Give me one second here. I'm going to pause the recording. You don't have to. Yeah, I mean, it was it was good. Uh, what do you do? You want to take point on this one? Um, it's been a while since I've really like sat and enjoyed wrestling. Yeah, I know, man. It was like I said, overall a good show. You know, we got to see some surprise people we weren't expecting. You know, the uh, they opened up with a little bit of Ring of Honor. We had a freaking we had a, a new girl. I'm assuming a trainee from Dustin Rhodes' school, and she was tagging with Emmy Sakura. And they were taking on Willow and the returning Makaito from Japan. Yeah, that was great. And freaking, you know, getting, you know, she's a little spitfire. And she's, you know, just kind of really interactive with the crowd. And having her and her and Willow working together was a lot of fun. It really, really set the tempo for the show. You know, that, that was, you know, that was really awesome. You know, we really kind of, the show didn't start exactly on time, but it's wrestling, so it wasn't going to. It's kind of fun to see that happen in the big leagues. You know, I'm not going to lie, man, freaking being able to sit down and enjoy a show and not being involved in it. It's fantastic. It was great. You know, <laughs> it was great. You didn't have to worry, not having to worry about filling every seat and it not being your problem. Correct. Great. Freaking, 
but you know, being able to just sit down, enjoy it. And like I said, enjoying well, being able to watch my son enjoy it. Couldn't really ask for much more. I agree, man. Uh, I remember last night I, I needed something to like wind down to and I landed on uh, monsters university and it was pretty close. Um, these guys had this dream and you know, didn't quite work out and they fucking figured it out and the part that really hit me was when they saw the big leagues i'm like yeah we're gonna see the big leagues tomorrow we're gonna see the big leagues tomorrow we you and i know how we want things run and it was good to see like a reminder and then really going and doing it you know what i'm saying man i was it was good man um like i said the whole show overall was better the good yeah i've been uh been harsh at times at AEW, and I feel like I'm valid. But you know, being there live, you know, Orange Cassidy and uh, Swerve Strickland, you know, I, I'm really, I'm, you know, I've gone on record. I'm not the biggest Orange Cassidy fan. Not that I don't think he's a talent. I just the gimmick's not for me. Um, I don't think is, I don't, I don't think the push makes sense myself. But you know, I'm gonna have my people that agree with me, and I'm my people that don't agree with me. I don't really particularly think either one's right or either one's wrong. It's just got to be personal opinion. But freaking the match him and Swerve had, you know, easily the best thing I've seen him do since, uh, seen Orange Cassidy do since wrestling Pac. It's been a long you time know, since someone's done so many false finishes and I didn't get pissed off. Like, that was actually a lot of fun. Which one was it going to be? It, it was the first time I truly understood Orange Cassidy rather than just being that you know two note gimmick was the way that he sets things up for he seems like he's nonchalant but he's really just setting traps and just working around you and i really liked watching that that fluidity and then as the match progressed he got more and more violent and watching the frustration uh what was who was he fighting again um swerve strickland the the frustration that was on his face of like, man, he got me again. I just needed me to like grab him here, and he already knew how to like maneuver it and fuck with me. And then finally, he just like got tired of it and just fucking threw him. <laughs> like, you know, I'm the bigger dude here. And then that's when th- like it escalated and got into a better and better match. And like I said, man, I can't remember the last time there was that many false finishes and I didn't get chapped. That was fucking great. Oh, by the way, we're not being Abrela friendly tonight because Josh is excited. <laughs> um, I want to want to officially state that for the night we're gonna oh yeah, yeah. quell the Abrela friendly rule for the evening next week we'll start back up and I'll be forty two steps closer to Daredevil number one so close to Daredevil one um I did find one for only eighteen hundred dollars only eighteen what did you have to do to for it go to easily to say no I just said I found one online um. But uh, yeah, no, they had a they had a good match. Freaking, uh, I'm trying to think. You know, they had some other good stuff with uh, they had another match after that. I'm trying to let me off pull, top of my head which one it was. Let me pull up the card. You just start like just kind of noodling. Oh, it was the BCC versus freaking yeah, it was BCC versus uh, Chaos, uh, best friends in Rocky Romero. And that was that was kind of cool because we weren't uh you know 
know, me and you weren't sitting together. I was with my family. You were with the age and, and Cody, was it? Yeah, Cody. Okay. So we were we were in two separate sections, but the uh, the BCC came out right in between us down the uh, entranceway or the uh, the ramp. They were coming down or the stairs. That's nice. And freaking. You know, it's just kind of a different, uh, different feeling with those guys in there, and they ended up going out there wrestling, uh, wrestling chaos. You know, they've been kind of, they've been beating up the best friends for months, Trey, uh, Chucky e. T, and freaking Trent. So that's kind of, you know, that was it was what it was. But adding in, adding in Rocky Romero was always fun. Big, uh, big fan of Rocky Romero for years. Me too. Love the guy. Yeah. BCC was fresh off the fucking uh, air, airplane, right, from uh, Japan from this weekend, right? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I didn't follow it. I know they were, they did something, they, were, they did the whole thing with uh, Brian Danielson challenging Kazuchika Okada for the uh, for Forbidden Door, so that'll be a match definitely worth seeing. I definitely got goosebumps on that one. That looks fucking great. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, no, the. Uh, it kind of uh, and is what it, you know. You see that you, you kind of you know what you're gonna get. It's still solid. It's still great, but it's you know, it's expected. Um. But yeah. Now we got into we got into some promo wars, which I thought were super interesting from a uh, for from a couple of different perspectives. You know, we had MJF come out cutting promo on um. He cut a promo basically. I'm better than everybody, you know. Kind of typical MJF promo, getting heat, you know. Kind of, kind of going for the low hanging fruit, and uh, out comes Adam Cole. You know, they do the, you know. M- MJF is definitely that guy that kind of like sees what people are saying about you online and utilizes that that reality uh, in his promos. Yeah, but so did Adam Cole. And, <laughs> oh, he totally did. But um, it's not so much what he said, because you know that I think the as for for Dynamite at least, it was more the the promos were getting more reaction than the matches. Age said something Those interesting the, about the uh, about that before we get to when Adam Cole opened his mouth was the way that. Uh, MGF was speaking was in the same cadence as Jericho used to back in WCW, like, 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 uh, we, we dubbed it like, um, uh, promo pros. Like he had a really, he had a really great, like vibration to his voice, a cadence. Like he had a, he had a structure to it. It was, it, it wasn't just mindless, screw your city. It's boring here. No, he he had something to say. Those are literally things he said. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but but like, but the way he said it, like, it was different from just like just mindless BS. Like he, the cadence added a poetry to it. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. Well, yeah. No, Adam Cole came out. You know, like I said, he did the typical thing where he you know he talks about you know. The low hanging fruit. Hey, your girlfriend. Hey, your body. You know, Cole was able to turn it around. I'm not gonna lie. In in all honesty, like they ended up setting it for a match next week. It was cool, but it would have been bad. In my opinion, personally, 
Should have I happened. feel like it would have been better if Adam Cole hadn't said a word and just kicked him in the mouth. I was wondering and about that. And then just walked away. Never, never said a word. Just kind of, hey, you know, you can talk all you want, but at the end of the day, I'm still going to kick you in the face. I agree with you if Cole hadn't brought up that uh, MGF's uh, fiance, like, dumped his ass. And they were good. Again, it's hanging through everybody. Like, they mention that literally every other week. I enjoyed it. You know, I just think, like I said, if he, because everybody always wants to get into a verbal altercation with MJF. Why doesn't someone just want to punch him in the mouth? It would, it would have had a bigger pop. It would have meant more, and it would have left you like, what's going to happen next? Why would like Adam Cole is is primarily known? You know, I'm not gonna say primarily known because he's 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 a good worker. People care about his matches and freaking, but he's you know he's a catchphrase guy. It's story time with Adam Cole, baby. Adam Cole, baby. You know that, that's his that's kind of his shtick. And freaking, if he just hadn't said anything, it would have been different. All right. You know, then we had, uh, you know, uh, they brought out Callus and they brought out Dikeshta, and they, you know, he beat up uh, a local guy, and freaking Callus cut a promo afterwards, and both times when I was where I, where I was sitting, particularly, I don't know if you had the same uh, issue, but like when MJF was talking, when he was when he was talking, he's kind of the you know, like I said, low-hanging fruit as far as talking about the town, talking about stuff like that. You know, so many boos, you couldn't hear them. Same with Callus. But there was two completely different ways they spoke. Because MJF was worried more about, you know, being, moving around and riling up the crowd. Whereas Callus would stopped and directly looked into the camera. So they were completely playing into two completely different audiences. Because Callus would acknowledge the crowd once he was completely done speaking. He would then turn to the crowd, raise his arms, and accept the boos that were coming to him. But he did it on his terms. Whereas MJF was more so reacting to the crowd. The crowd was having fun with him. But Callus is a professional, man. Like he, he knows how to soak it in. He knows how to take his time. He does. And I mean, he's been doing this for probably almost, if not over 30 years at this point. You know, because I remember the first time I saw him was in WWE and the Truth Commission in like 97-ish. But up until that, freaking, I know he'd been running his own Fed in Canada been wrestling around the world before that. So he definitely had his, uh, had a long established career. All right, so we had the promo end, and then we go straight into the site is loading. Let's see, Black Blackpool Combat Club. We already talked about that. MJF. We've got what was the next thing that came up? Texas Tornado Tag Team Match. Jungle oh, Hook. Yeah, Jungle Hook versus Los Action and Drillistico. That that was that was fun. I don't I don't. 
always interested to see how those translate to TV because it's so wild. It might actually be better because like when you're watching it happening live, it's kind of hard to, you know, you got one team in the ring while the other one's fighting in the crowd. See, that's the uh, one that's thing that really chapped me. That really chapped me. The ability to have so many cameras and so many screens is when something is happening that we can't see, depending on where you are situated in the live crowd. Um, why not turn one of the cameras on and put it on the Jumbotron so we can see what the fuck is going on? Like, that, yeah. re that really chapped me, like... I know deep down that AEW does care about the live crowd because there's money there, but it really showed off the fact that AEW really fucking cares about the goddamn TV audience. I don't even know if that... Why not turn That's on... the thing, though. We, well, the way we've talked about... Because I agree, I agree with you 100%. But the issue is that so much of their stuff in those type of matches is blatantly missed. Like, we literally had a conversation oh. about it last week. Yeah. And freaking, it's like, at this, like, the first year or two, you could totally understand. It's a new company, you're growing, you're learning. At this point, though, those the holes in the ship, like, that should be plugged. No, I see like, what that you're saying. That should be, you guys should be a smoothly running ship, production-wise, at this point. I see what you're saying, man. Like, uh, like what I was saying last week. You can only get too close because you're gonna get too close, and the like. This might be your only angle, and that one angle is when someone completely like you know shits the bed, and misses and misses yeah. it. But if you see it from a different angle, then or from further away, actually, which is actually a, an easy fix, um, you're you're not close enough to see a mistake or that their head really didn't make a you know full contact. Um, yeah. But for um, Hook reminded me. Like, I enjoy watching him wrestle, but I'm watching this little kid. What is he, like 23, 25? Um, I couldn't tell you. Probably honestly. not even. I yeah, definitely early, easily early 20s. Easily early 20s. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, the way that, like, Dale Earnhardt Jr. talks about being raised by the Intimidator. Like, he didn't, you know, NASCAR-wise. Like, he got zero breaks. He got it way worse than all the other guys that didn't have a famous dad. I can't imagine what he's had to go through because his dad is fucking Taz. And, but then, the way he keeps posturing, like it was like he was posing for a selfie every goddamn time he did anything. I really hated that. It reminded me of like watching the NBA, which it's not really any good defense or offense anymore. It's a fucking three-point uh, three contest and showing uh, off. Um, I, I will counter that thought process. Like I can see your point, but on the other hand... If he wasn't Taz's son, he wouldn't be an AEW. No, I agree. Yeah, there, there's literally no reason to have him otherwise. He he's decent and he's been given a push, and you know he he's handled it well. Like I'm not I'm not knocking the guy at any point, but if he was for uh, Jordan Bishop's kid, he would not be an AEW. He, he is purely like. It's a nepotism hire. Like, I'm not saying necessarily he hasn't earned his spot by this point, but he wouldn't have been given that spot if he was anybody else's kid. And we'll, we'll get to we'll get to some more of that in the main event. Please, please. Uh, that's. I mean, it was a lot of fun seeing you know Jungle Boy and Hook and Los Faction Ingobernable, but uh, it, it was a 
That match went on way too long. It did. Like it really could have. It could have been quicker. It should have been quicker. Um, you know, you were you were waiting for the table spot. Like my my son was cheering for it five minutes before it happened. <laughs> so he, he was he, he he laughed at the uh, at um, Preston Vance getting stuffed into the trash can. You know, we had we had a good time, and you know, like I said, I'm not I'm not knocking hook at all. I'm just saying, freaking, it's an is what it is situation. <laughs> The, the kid earns his spot. He's he's fun to watch, you know. But we'll see what happens with him long term. I, the next match is uh, Kanosuke Takeshita versus Damon Ace. I yeah, freaking. Uh, I missed this accidentally. No, that's funny. Yeah, freaking. Uh, I freaking. Uh, no, no, I know of Damon Ace. Freaking. Or we used him briefly years ago. Um, he was told him a long time ago. Told him a long time ago. Freaking change your look. You look like every other guy. And freaking, my wife has never. My wife has never met him. And she was like, she asked me if we were doing if they were doing a homeless gimmick with Sean Spears. <laughs> if, if Sean Spears was down on his luck and it got a dad bod. You know, it's funny you say and, that. When it comes to homeless, the reason I missed it was because my homegirl was in the smoking section and she texted me a photo of a guy outside smoking a cigarette dressed like Tyrone Biggums from fucking Chappelle show. I jumped out of my seat to go try to get a picture of him, came back and they were like, hey, if you blinked, you missed Damon Ace. And I'm like, well, shit. Because I bumped into his dad, who's always been an absolute like gentleman to me. And he's like, hey, Damon's wrestling tonight. And I accidentally missed it. <laughs> yeah. It is what it is, freaking. I, uh, I thought the, I thought the Sean, I got the, I thought the Sean Spears thing was funny, and then I end up going, uh, going online later and going on Instagram, seeing a picture of the match or a video or something, and half the guys in the on the little tag list was all like, "Oh, what are they doing to Sean Spears? He really let himself go." Oh damn! And freaking, yeah. You know, if you're if you're gonna be on a show, you shouldn't look like somebody already on the show. Yeah, like that's. I mean, it is what it is, man. I'm glad Damon got his shot. He works real hard, but no, I see your point, man. And it's just like there's certain words in catchphrases or titles or old wives' tales that rub me wrong when it comes to like performance art, and the word ace is one of them. Like, yeah. it's it's too easy. It's like Joe Powerful or uh, uh, Diego Incredible. Like, yeah. I mean, dude, when you know when New Japan talks about the ace of their heavyweight division or the ace of their junior heavyweight division or WWE's got a guy billing himself as the Irish ace. Well, who is that ace in Impact? The dude that threw the fucking cards. Um, ace Austin. Ace Austin. Yeah. If everybody, if everybody's got an ace, you shouldn't, you know, don't do it. Like, be your own person. Come up with your own stuff. Not saying he did it to rip anybody off, but it's it's been done. Yeah, I agree. And I, I and I was thinking it'd about be like, it. Would be like when I was wrestling. If I called myself Tony Funk. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree. But but like, if you would have landed on uh, Tony Funk, all that tells me is that you've read. 
like if we were doing it comic book wise, you've read uh, The Death of Superman, uh, you might have heard of Watchmen, and you've got a small box of like comics that in no way make up a whole story and you're just not educated enough or have had enough experience with the product to know to stay away from that fucking word. Yeah. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm not saying... Dude, I, dude, I, get, I get enough people... You know how many people over the years have randomly asked me if I was Pedro Morales' grandson? Like, Probably. I look nothing like him. But it's it's happened on multiple occasions. Where some old time fan will be like, "Do you are you related to Pedro? Do you know Pedro? You know, I respect the guy's work, but I've never once met him." Yeah, yeah, but Morales isn't a like you know super powerful guy or in, incredible fella. <laughs> it's a yeah. it's a it's a family name, and that's different. Yeah, but I'm not just uh, being no, because you're my boy. I'm I'm serious, but uh. Other than that, no, I mean it's it, yeah. I mean, but it, you know, at no point was it ever intended to be. But even then, you're still gonna get those comparisons because people are gonna people are gonna compare you to people with the last name. People can compare you to who trained you. People can compare you to you know if you have a certain body style. You know, some people are gonna be like, "Oh, hey, he's a body guy." You know, yeah, looks like looks like Lex Luger or something. By the way, he's a uh, Colin sent me the. Uh... Oklahoma City like fan con list there and uh it was pretty um slim pickings. Alex Luger's gonna be there, they're gonna wheel his ass in there. Um the Jason Frank's daughter who's like every Comic Con right now, and I can't think of anything else that set out that was like one of the like the Red Ranger that replaced Jason. Um but they've got a wrestling demonstration going on there. Um the, I believe it's like a, not really a tryout, but come in like tryout wrestling, if that makes sense. And then they're going to do a little mini show and uh, Lubbock's uh, Big Guns is going to be there. He was the only one that was in the uh, fucking flyer that I recognize. You know that dude? Remember who I'm talking about? Not a clue. And the, the dude from Lubbock that had the, the Joey Janela glasses, he had the... He had a build like big guns, uh, white boy. He was one of like the, he was one of the their bigger dudes. I think you're talking about Axel Savage, but that's, I could be wrong. That's exactly who I'm talking about. And Axel's another one of those fucking names they look goddamn way away from. But at least it works with his gimmick. I don't know, man. Like uh, I'm saying, stay away from that fucking name. And I get that it does work with the gimmick, but like, why would you have such a basic gimmick? Axel. Well, he could be a Shoots Rage fan. Could be a Guns N' Roses fan. I don't know. Alright. I'll give you the Streets of Rage, but only because that game was dope. That was dope. I uh, got the uh, pleasure of hanging out with my uncle this weekend. Um, and... Uh, had a great time with him, man. My uncle Eddie and Mary came by. We went to a uh, eleven uh, eleven mile, and him and I hung out pretty much. Oh, nice, okay. Hung out the whole time, and uh, we got on like, dude, it was such a great time hanging out with him. And um, 
we got on the subject of uh, the NBA because the finals is going on, and I was like, "It's all uh, the NBA is a fucking scam." And he's like, "How do you know that?" And I'm like, uh, "Because these big time names, LeBron James, Steph Curry, whoever the fuck it is, I don't know everyone, but they're on interviews talking about how they're better than Michael Jordan." And he's like, "Okay, so they have the right to their opinion." And I'm like, "Yeah, they do, but the only other industry." where people are talking such complete inane bullshit that they're better than someone absolutely they are not better than is fucking pro wrestling. <laughs> and he's and he's like, all right. Well, and MMA. No, that, no, MMA in no way has the same sort of shit talking the way that they do like in, in NBA. Absolutely not. MMA, those guys can't, like, the UFC guys can't talk shit the way that fucking wrestlers and NBA players can. Absolutely not. So um, when Mayweather and boxing... There's obviously going to be a couple good people, but not like a consistency. Um, Conor McGregor in MMA. Name another one. Um, I don't watch MMA. Uh, the Diaz brothers, they're totally a talk mess. You watch an NBA game, you bump into LeBron James, he starts flopping and selling it. The only other... No, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a work. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, that's what I got on that. But next match we got uh, TBS Open Challenge match Anna J versus TBS champion Chris Statlander, and I'm gonna before we start going into this, I'm just gonna drop her action figure off the wall and hug it because I was so happy to see Chris. <laughs> yeah, no, her and her and Anna J had a really good match. Uh, Freaking, I think the crowd is more. Getting on good old uh, Daddy Magic Matt Menard than the match, but I mean, I think that was done to get a, a better reaction because I don't think Anna Jay really is going to get much of a reaction at this point. You know, Statlander's, Statlander's still solid in the ring. She's just uh, fresh back, you know, only being back a couple of weeks, you know, from that, you know, another torn ACL. Love Chris Statlander. I mourn the alien gimmick, but I'm happy that they're putting her over. This was the match where I started having thoughts about the mic'd ring. Oh, yes, yes, yes. You did mention that. Let's talk about that real quick. Production-wise, I mean, I get it. It adds a little extra uh, chutzpah to the live production for the mm-hmm. people there. But at the same time, though, it was there were some things that should not have been that loud. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think I'll let you finish first, okay? We're here to exaggerate, but that was a little too much for me. Okay. My rebuttal is actually ballet. So I have this friend I used to work with. Uh, she was a dancer when she was growing up, and her daughter's a dancer now. She's uh, 16, goes to like, the specific academy that's really um, – that focuses on dancing, right? Yeah. So her, her husband, and uh, her daughter uh, come into work one night. And, like, I can't stop looking at this, the daughter because she is – like, they came straight from a performance – and she is completely made up. And the makeup she uses is like, it's not like adult makeup, but it's very, it's over-exaggerated. It's like clown makeup? How old's the girl? 
uh, like I said, she's like sixteen. But it's like it, it's it's I wouldn't say cl- light clown makeup, but it's very it's very over exaggerated. Like the, uh, the eyebrows are very pronounced. Um, it's it's real thick makeup, and I was thinking about it, and it's it equates to the mic'd ring, because the entire purpose of it is for the people in the back to be able to see what's being portrayed in the show. The same way that it's. The mic is the ring is mic'd, so that way the people in the back can hear the uh, can hear the you know the sounds of the impacts. As someone that had really shitty seats to fucking uh, New Orleans WrestleMania, you were one hundred percent correct. You know, it, it definitely makes a difference. I I don't know. There's just uh, it's one of those things as someone that's always like stressing over sound volumes and like everything being synced, whether if it's video. Or um, just, you know, a conversation like we're having right now. Uh, it just seemed like something a little bit more over the top. Uh, I did have some pretty decent seats than I've ever had at a show before. Other than the um, uh, floor seats we had for SmackDown for my buddy Josh's, uh, Josh Rules, by the way, uh, bachelor party at SmackDown. But um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it was. I think if they had toned it down just a little bit more, there wasn't that many people. It wasn't like we were at a WrestleMania. They're, like, I was a little surprised at how like not that many people were there, despite the fact that you know it's a AEW show. We're in Colorado Springs, not Denver, um, or even the. I mean, we can say that you know the Nuggets were playing tonight because they were. Um, it didn't need to be that loud. No, I, I could definitely, I could agree with you on that. I think I see why they did it, but it was definitely like you were hearing forearms like you were right next to the ring. Like it was definitely a bit over exaggerated for what the uh, what the crowd was was handling. Any uh, production thoughts uh, from everything we've done that you had from being? I mean, you've been to AEW before, but. Um... You and I have been talking extensively about production um, for a little bit now, uh, a little bit more than usual. And did not any of those previous conversations uh, in the past two weeks that you and I have had in any way give you anything extra to think about? Camera placement? Um, uh, I don't. I think it would be some. I think it's something more for like once you once you watch. Like if we went back and watched the actual. The show on TV. Yeah, I think I think I would have like a more more thoughts to it. I think the biggest thing, like I said, is I definitely enjoyed the show more being there, like being in the crowd, being there with my family. Um, you know, I think overall everything. I think funny enough, I think the part, the sadly, I think the part I enjoyed the least was the actual dynamite. I think I, I enjoyed the Ring of Honor stuff and the um, and Rampage substantially more, and I find it funny that the uh, some a lot of the biggest pops, We're especially right. those not associated with the um, with because they didn't do any promos for for Rampage, they just kind of went into the matches, but the uh, the matches definitely got better reactions overall. Oh yeah, the acclaimed got like the biggest pop out of everyone combined. Yeah, the acclaimed, the Lucha Brothers had a, the Lucha Brothers and Bandito had a huge pop. Um, you know, quite a, quite a bit. Like 
I think it kind of comes down to again, like freaking um, dynamite. Or dynamite, you kind of <coughs> see you you know by who's walking out, who's doing it, like what's going to happen in the match. Yeah, that's a good it's, point. It's very very predictable. Okay. I mean, then again, though, I don't know because freaking the acclaim took on the Spanish announce project, and it was just like you know who's going to win. Serpentico ain't won a match in two years. Yeah. Wait, wait, you mean the... They're uh, they're obviously losing. The small-ass penis club? Is that what they said? Like, uh... Something like that. That was hilarious. (laughs) I I had to to tell my son that uh, Angelico had a a peanut allergy. (laughs) So that's what they were talking about. I was surprised to see him because the other day I actually had a conversation with a buddy. Like, what the hell happened to Angelico? It's been a while since I've seen him. Um, then he came out, and okay, well, he's here to lose. <laughs> yeah. He's here to lose. He looked I, I do find though. it funny that they came out to Angelico's music, though. Because, like, the Spanish announced project, they have the group, they have group music. Alright, well... So I, found, I found that funny. Before we get too distracted of, like, getting straight into Rampage, uh, any final thoughts on Statlander and, um, Anna Jay? Uh, no, I mean there there wasn't like it was it was a solid match. It's definitely one of the better matches I've seen Anna Jay have because she is still relatively green. Um, but you know it was you know her and Statlander worked well together. Freaking having Matt Menard out there to uh you know to generate more heat was definitely well thought out. I am kind of wondering how much longer we're going to be seeing the Jericho Appreciation Society though. Because Daniel Garcia came out to his own music, on Ring of Honor, and Anna Jay came out to her own music on Dynamite. Well, Jericho's so on tour right much... now. Yeah, but he's still got a group. Yeah. Uh, by the way, we can't... That, uh, that group was all coming out to his own music. We forgot to put over the, the beautiful woman that was retiring that did everyone's uh, fucking gear. That was cool. Everyone was, like, loving on her, man. Oh, Miss Sandra? Yeah. Ah, uh, Dustin, Dustin Rhodes came out and talked, uh, talked her up. They had promos on the, uh, on the Jumbotron. And uh, Tony, uh, Tony Khan came out and wished her well. What did you think of Tony coming out before each show? I really liked the fact that he was there and came in and said hello. I liked that a lot. I just find it funny that he is, like, when he comes, because he did the same thing at um, at Ring of Honor in Dallas before WrestleMania last year. And he always kind of comes out, he kind of tries to get the crowd pumped. And he, I, I find it funny that he is so natural in front of the crowd but when he cuts these promos backstage, he is so terrified and wooden. <laughs> like yeah. every time he makes a big announcement, he looks like he would rather do anything else. But when he's out there in front of the live crowd and he can feed off of them, he is such a natural. There are quite a few of uh, local indie uh, gentlemen and women that I had the same problem with. Like, why can't you perform in front of Bridget the way you do in front of the fucking crowd? Like, they would freeze up. I actually had to edit some promos. And not that that's a problem. It was just that it it just confused me. Like, you can do it so well out there, but not here when we can, you know, it's not as full of pressure. But 
just for some reason, when the camera's in your face, some people crack. Yeah, and, as opposed and to in the crowd. <coughs> it's, it's definitely a uh, it's a different kind of thing. It definitely is, but I think I think you get that instant gratification of knowing whether what you're saying or not works in front of a crowd, as opposed to it's you and then the camera's right there and there's you know you obviously holding <coughs> the camera, but it's one person's opinion of this works or this doesn't as opposed to like the crowd getting behind you or cheering or booing you're like you know if you're you're, you're good at it you can uh switch on the fly that, well i mean i i appreciate that uh, but i'm i'm not saying that it's my opinion that it's good or not when like it's <coughs> they're backstage with me it's just more of like how natural they are and mm -hmm. can like it's like they'll they they're better if there's a gun to their head as opposed to when, like, it's a little bit softer and we have an infinite, like, you know, canvas. Like, this, the camera's got 536 gigabytes. Uh, like, you know, we can do this over again. Uh, yeah. It's not whether or not I liked it or not. It was more of a, like, it's interesting that, that when it's less dangerous is when they make the most mistakes. Yeah. I, I think it's an instant feedback thing. I. I can see your point on it, but I also think it's an instant feedback. Like, if you're in the middle of this promo and the crowd is cheering or booing, whichever they should be doing, given the, the person and the subject matter, like, right then and there, you know. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm cutting a three-minute promo into a, a backstage and it's just you, me, and a mic, I don't know how well that's working at, in the moment. Especially if I'm holding it. Like, every time I ever filmed a promo and I had Bridget on the tripod and I was able to mm -hmm. react or tell him, like, speed it up as opposed to, like, when I'm, like, holding her, it went a lot yeah. better. It, it went a lot better. Yeah. But uh, uh, I digress. We've got FTR and Juice Robinson are banned from ringside. We've got Ricky Starks versus Jay White, which was one of the reasons I was here tonight. I personally yeah. love seeing the the dudes from Japan or more centralized in Japan seeing that strong style really show off. Those two dudes really went at it, man. Like they really picked each other and threw each other around and had a lot of great psychology to it. Um, really solidified my love of New Japan, and I'm glad that the people there were pretty savvy to it. There was a lot of people there you could tell, like, they might not watch New Japan every week or even maybe even once a month, but they know they know the rules, they know the difference, and they were they were loving it. Yeah, I mean it was a good match. Ricky's definitely he's definitely moved up. My whole thing is I don't think he's moved up to Switchblade beating Jay White. Yeah. He's not like they brought Switchblade in and he's he should be a he should be a big deal. It should have been a big deal. You know, you could play off the fact that freaking WWE was looking at him too and he chose AEW. Like cuz that's kind of the thing they do. They're kind of both sides kind of need each needle each other a little bit. Agreed. But WWE will do it more subconscious, like maybe not subconsciously, but like more of a business way. 
because they'll just like they'll run events the same day as a big AEW shows. Yeah, you know they'll do stuff like that. Whereas AEW will like say snide comments and promos, or you know Cody will come out and he'll beat us, beat a throne, or they'll pull out a golden shovel. They'll do stuff on their own TV show, and like this was a catch for them. And Jay White comes in, and the first thing he does is wire him and Juice Robinson, who's another ultra-talented person, why can't they beat up Ricky Starks? Good point. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, it like these are two guys that are established. These are two guys that are obviously bad. Like, Ricky Starks has been around 10-plus years. So, I mean, he's a, a veteran guy, too. But as far as the national stage, he's he's an up and comer. Like at at best, he is at the level of like I, I wouldn't even say he's like on the level of like the four pillars. And like Well who would you like who would you have had Switchblade fight? A top guy. Or at least a challenge. Like why is he not going after an Adam Cole? Yeah. Why is he not going after? Why are they not a few? Like, why do they not get a third guy and go after Kenny and the Young Bucks? Or why don't they team with Kenny and the Young Bucks? Like, this Bullet Club Gold thing is. It's a third tier gimmick at best. Yeah, they're not even doing like, too it's, sweet it's, no more. Yeah, it's, it's the NWO white and black. Like, when they had Wolfpack and, like, Stevie Ray was leading it. It was all petered out. There, right. There's a there, there's a wolf pack. There's a like W like, the entire new uh, Bullet Club thing at this point is kind of a joke. Like it's not what it was. No, it's not. Every literally every Fed every every major Fed in the United States has a Bullet Club wannabe group. WWE's got the OC. Uh, freaking AEW's got New Japan era Bullet Club Gold. Um, Impact's got. Uh, freaking Ace Austin and um, I can't remember the other guy's name. ABC, whatever the uh, the tag champs are. Yeah, like every 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 Fed, every major Fed in the United States has their own version of the Bullet Club. Was that the if main you got event? Got that much going around? It's it's under freaking it's underserved. Was that the main event? That was the main event of the show. Yes. And at the end of the day, freaking Jay White you know, was down for the count. He couldn't beat Ricky Starks, and the guns of all people had to come in. Yeah. Because you can't have the Bullet Club without the guns. No. Because you can't take the bullets out of the guns. That was my, that was my joke right there. It was cool um, to see you They had to come in. It was, but freaking he didn't even wrestle. Like, I like Juice. He's, he's a talented dude. Freaking doesn't get the credit he deserves. Freaking, um... But he's another one. He's another... They've got this bloated roster, and there's the haves and the have-nots. They're the guys that are going to win matches, and the guys that are going to win matches on Dark. And they don't even have that anymore. Yeah, Dark is gone. Split out of here. So, like... I mean, I... Let alone those two guys are getting... Those two guys are apparently going to main event the first collision show. And, like, they haven't, they can't beat freaking Ricky Starks. 
where they were going to get in the ring with freaking FTR and CM Punk. Like, they got to at least win. They got to at least beat somebody. They did a good job switching from uh, Dynamite to Rampage. Like, I was thinking, like, okay, was that the main event? Because I just remember they maybe, like, 15 minutes in between one or the other. They did a good job switching. And then straight into Rampage. I was just happy that it didn't feel like a chore to be there. Like, I remember the dude sitting next to me, like, it's only an hour? Great. It's not seven hours sitting in New Orleans. Yeah. Like, we were able to enjoy it, get the hell out, have a lot of fun. It was cool meeting up with you. Um, saw Bruce Wayans. Yeah, I saw him walking around with his territory belt. I was like, is that even a thing? Yeah. He, uh, he asked me for, um, you know, Gundy wants that footage because uh, we never released the, the show beforehand because we uh, wanted to go straight into the last show for the last uh, ever new era recording. And uh, I don't know if I can give it to him. <laughs> like, uh, I kind of want to, but like, it's like kind of stray footage. Uh, Freaking, I got this great promo when I was filming uh, him and Gundy. And I got this idea. We need two chicks with uh, oil. And I went. I, I was like, "Hey, pause for a second. They were in Bridget's office. I, I went down the stairs and I went and grabbed Mariah and Candy. And I'm like, you two girls want to smear oil on somebody? And they're like, absolutely. So uh, I don't know. We'll talk about that later on. Still kind of thinking about that. And he's like, okay, maybe, maybe we get it to him. Maybe we don't. But. I've had I've had people ask me on uh, the past couple weeks for footage, and this really fucking chaps me, um, for footage of their matches that they didn't know was fucking blockbusters already. I know. Yeah, <laughs> they should have watched the show then. Yeah, it fucking pissed me off. Like, you don't know this is already out there? Like, like with graphics and all the good shit, really fucking pissed me off. Hmm. Hold on, I gotta pause the recording real quick. My uh, Wi-Fi attached to my phone. Yep. But, okay, so that, that uh, wraps up... Uh, you know, the uh, main event for Dynamite, we, like I said, uh, I appreciated how they were able to switch uh, so quickly to Rampage. It was like 15 minutes. Yeah. Ring skirt yeah. change, uh, turnbuckle change. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, man. I just, I'm really hoping that this, the whole gun thing will really lead to getting Ricky into opportunities that he's currently slated for on the card. I think him versus the guns makes sense. The guns have definitely stepped up over the last few months. Yeah, that brief run as tag champs, and I think that's a a good spot for Ricky to kind of work with, as opposed to work like he needs to work with people that are on his level, like above his level, to move up. But like, I'm just like, I don't feel like he's a main event guy yet. Like, they really need to they need to solidify who their main events are. Like, I don't, I don't think any of the pillars are ready yet. You know, MJF's there, but I think, I, I think they're a lot there. They 
royally messed up doing that fatal four-way last pay-per-view because like i think mjf right now needs to be fully established as the guy and to do that he, he still needs to beat people that are above him on the level and the other three guys the other three pillars aren't at that main event level yet like and you can see they kind of believe it too jungle boy was in a tag match with uh you know with hook and darby allen came out to make a save for orange cassidy which sting yeah that was fun like, they they got kofi kingston they were you know this uh, this semi-main event you know for the world title and then they were slotted right back where they were afterwards. Oh, by the way, that didn't matter. Here's something a little bit more important. <laughs> yeah, you you got this. Now you've done this. It's done. Like it really seemed like they were gonna build something with Darby and and MJF because he he kind of insulted Darby with that pin at the end with the uh, headlock takeover pin. And freaking instead, Darby just doesn't care anymore, and he's back. Back hanging out with Sting. I'm glad Sting that's was cool. There. It's it's gonna be fun. It was fun, but like it got what happened in the story. It did, you know, yeah. Where, where's Darby got nothing out of wrestling MJF for the world title. Jungle Boy got nothing out of wrestling MJF for the world title. Sammy Guevara hasn't been seen since. Like, well, he... it's cool. You did it. You did the four pillars match. But now what? Where, where's your upward momentum? It's like everybody who's beaten Jericho. On Action Andrade, Orange Cassidy has really moved up action the card. Action Andrade, action. Why would you use the word action? <laughs> yeah. Um, freaking uh, Ricky Starks hasn't really moved up as far as believability with the fans. He beat Jericho twice. That doesn't. If you keep beating these people... Like, Jericho should be making people, yes, but it should be important when you beat Chris Jericho. Extremely important. And it, it, AEW has killed that notion. It doesn't matter if you beat Chris Jericho because everybody beats Chris Jericho. Freaking, when you when you lose, some, when you beat Moxley, that's a big deal. That's a rock. Hangman man. Page is, man. Yeah, Hangman Page is moved up the card to main event level, beating guys like Omega and beating guys like Moxley. And then you see guys, oh, Action Andretti. What is he even doing now? He came out his first night in the company, pinched Chris Jericho clean as a sheet. What has it gotten? Nobody cares. Nope. It, it didn't even get a dark match. No, there were no dark matches. There were he was he was watching it on TV like the rest of everyone that wasn't in Colorado Springs. Yeah. Well, it's all right, man. Moving on to uh, Rampage. You want to go ahead and get into full Rampage spoilers? Yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, like uh, Jeff Jarrett, Aubrey, a lot of shit talking. Aubrey was good on the mic, man. <laughs> she was funny on the mic. Yeah, no, she was solid. Now she can wrestle. Like from what I understand, like, she's been trained a little bit enough to at least do like a five minute. 
Well, I mean, that's where they're doing a six man for, you know, it's not to, it's to get in there, do a little bit, get out. Mark Briscoe. And that's the entire thought process. Agreed. Mark Briscoe really tore it up on the mic, man. He had me in stitches. Mark Briscoe's amazing. He had me in stitches. I ain't no fool. (laughs) We said that. (laughs) I ain't no fool. Yeah. Uh, We're having a Papa Briscoe. I love that they're still just using it plural. I know, you know, we've got filler, but keeping it sacred. Yeah. Briscoe's. Yeah. But uh, it was it was good, man. I mean, that was, opening promo was great, and then then they started the show, which I thought was hilarious because I was like, I thought they already started it. But yeah, then we got the uh, we got the six uh, six man match with the Lucha Brothers and Bandito. Yep, taking on uh, basically the firm. Cause it was Ethan Page, um, uh, Big Bill, and uh, Lee Moriarty, Moriarty and Big Bill. Yeah, it was a good match, man. All six guys, I felt like, really shined. Ethan looked like he was going to pull off the win and freaking the Hardy Boys come out because they're doing this whole thing where Matt Hardy is Ethan's boss and he's going to reform him and make him a better person. And, you know, of course, it ended up costing him the match. Freaking, man, Lucha, uh, Lucha Brothers and Bandito really showed, like, everyone, like, Lucha's the shit. Like, they really showed off. They really shined tonight. It, like, everything they did yeah. was, was great. The way that Pentagon got in all uh, Big Bill's face um, and, like, started dancing toward him. Like, just, like, I don't give a fuck. I'm smaller than you. I don't I don't care. <laughs> like, let's, let's fucking do this. And, uh, yeah. I, I'm not... Big Bill, man. Like, uh, question... Obviously, okay. teaming up as Big Cass and Enzo Amore, um, he's missing something, and it's obvious. It's uh, he's missing a last name. I I think, dude, he's another one, man. Freaking, if they pushed him well, he'd be a bigger star. But he's not good on the mic, that's for goddamn sure. And he doesn't. He, I didn't like any of his moves tonight. Then you, then you just, give, then you give him somebody. Like they already gave him with Stokely Hathaway. Not only is Stokely freaking good on the mic enough to carry him on the mic, you know, and freaking he also the size difference makes him look even bigger. Precisely my point when it they, comes to these. They've already done it. Yeah, they've already done it. They've given it to you. They're just not giving him. They're not giving him anything to do. That's bad booking. He's another one of the guys that suffers. Another with the haves and the have-nots. Now, same thing with Lee Moriarty. They're they're a great tag team together. They work well together. Lee's the charisma and the and the freaking technical wrestling. Big pills of power. Why aren't they being pushed more? As the uh, the eighteen uh, year old to me, when Jeff did the dance to each side, it felt good, man. It was good to see him again. No, oh, it was uh, it was a surprise. I, you know, they had a little promo beforehand, backstage. Uh, my my son freaked out when he actually came out. He didn't expect them. I didn't expect them. You know, freaking uh, you know, it's always good to have the Hardys there. You know, because it's nostalgia, and yet they're still, you know, they're not. They they've definitely lost like half a step or two, but 
you know, they're still the Hardy Boys. They're still, they're, they're legends. You know, it's the same thing with like a Christian Cage. You know, he's not the, uh, you know, not as young as he used to be, but he's still the wrestling mind he always was. Who was the dude that got his ass beat and behind the, uh, behind the scenes when the Luchasaurus comes out? They walked out of the room. Oh, that was Arn Anderson's son. Okay. Because uh, freaking man, they cut that whole promo about how Arn Anderson was the one that cost Christian the uh, TNT title at the pay per view. Wasn't there some? Uh, freaking... Sorry, I got excited. I apologize. Yeah, they. Uh, yeah, the guy they left laying was Brock Anderson, um, freaking Arn Anderson's son. Age was saying something about some controversy about Luchasaurus's mask. Uh, yeah, apparently somebody designed it and friggin', uh, I think they're mad either about him wearing it on TV or wearing it, uh, it being in the video game and him not getting a cut. From what I understand, it is the, basically, uh, the artisan that makes awesome monster magic masks made it for Luchasaurus and Luchasaurus used it everywhere he went and this dude is pissed like he was out of some fucking revenue because he was not told how the mask was going to be used in which case it was a problem now we were discussing this on the way home and when it comes down to it like when it comes to just brass tax business I pay you to make something for me you made it for me I fair exchange and now I'm using it for this, and you're pissed that I'm making money using this thing. My argument was the fact that these guys in monster makeup and, you know, the, the practical special effects and um, the, the mask making business, that these guys, their bread and butter is whether or not, you know, they get paid for a big job that something they did was in. Um, but at the same time, though, uh, is William Shatner suing, you know, John Carpenter because they used the the Shatner mask, sanded it down? I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I don't think I know enough about it to really have an opinion. Because well, I mean, I, you figure if the guy said he's using it for wrestling, like why else would you really need it unless it's for something specific? I mean, he had a similar mask when he was in Lucha Underground. Yes, he did. And that didn't matter. But now that he's a big star on a national TV network, all of a sudden it matters. Yeah, it's not like he walked into this guy's shop dressed as Clark Kent and tricking the guy into not realizing that he's Superman and Superman, you know, going and doing what he should have Luch Luchasaurus wasn't... You know, a drop in the uh, the bucket when it comes to popularity, when it comes to pop culture or anything like that. Uh, he wasn't like I depriving mean, him of a of a lottery ticket. Oh. But yeah, uh, we've got uh, Sky Blue uh, defeating Miss uh, Britt Baker, Mercedes Martinez, and Nyla Rose uh, for competition for next week. Yeah. Apparently, the uh, the whole thing with the Luchasaurus thing is that he was able to use it as a wrestler, but he nor anyone acting on his behalf was entitled to create merchandise. Yeah. That incorporated the mask design. 
And then also the fact that it's probably used in the fucking video game. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's the thing is that this guy freaking, you know, all of a sudden once there's t-shirts and video games and action figures, now he's got an issue with it. I mean, like, that kind of, I don't know, that kind of sounds a little... A little greedy. Like, you kind of, like, it's once it once it took off, all of a sudden, like, oh, I don't give a crap because you're freaking some indie guy or yeah. working some, you know, working Lucha Underground that doesn't matter. But once you start making money, all of a sudden, I want my piece. Yeah, like I said, man, Luchasaurus like, didn't walk into that shop incognito in disguise. <laughs> like, like, you kind of knew this could happen, I feel like. like we ran the risk of it. Or maybe it. you just thought it was just dumb and it wasn't going to happen because it's an indie gimmick, you know? It's like if somebody, you know, if Orange Cassidy wore a particular pair of shades and all of a sudden the, the guy that, you know, he bought the shades from was like, oh, I want, you know, if you're going to be on video games and stuff, I want my cut. They used my photo on NXT of Bobby. I'm not hitting Bobby up like, yo, where's my fucking cut? <laughs> like... Yeah. I knew the risks. Like we, we joke about it often when our photos, our beautiful minefields portraits, end up on some fucking bush league fed or even something bigger. We know the risk. It's yeah. all right. We put it out there in general. We got paid for the job, didn't we? Yeah. I mean, if you're gonna, you know. I mean, I think, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't know the legalities about it, so I really can't say whether or not this guy is entitled to to money owed for it or not. But it's, uh, I feel like at some point you you did realize that this could be a bigger thing, and maybe you should have pushed the issue before or put it in the clause and it became a thing. Yeah, like if you yeah. do make money off this, like, hey, let's talk about a little bit of a cut because this is an exclusive design. If that sort of agreement had been reached and been breached, then yeah, I can see this sort of egregious little tete-a-tete, but no. Yeah. But yeah, we got Sky Blue. You enjoy that match? Yeah, it was what it was. It was really, it was awesome to see Nyla Rose and Mercedes Martinez get a get a shot, even if it was on Rampage, just to do something. Like, Nyla is freaking... She did a great job. You know, she's talented. got a personality on her. And, like, Mercedes Martinez doesn't get nearly the credit she should as freaking, you know, what she can do, what she's been able to do, and the reaction she can elicit out of people. Like, it was great to see her back. And you really feel like she should have freaking... You know, it kind of, you kind of, you know, it was, it was cool to see him give Sky Blue the first crack at Tony Storm. Um, but a little, you know, I don't, I, I enjoyed the match. It's just kind of, uh, it's, you know, they've got such a wide array of talented women. Yeah, they do. I just kind of, you know, you don't really get a chance to see him featured all that often. So that's why it was really cool to see Nyla and Mercedes get this opportunity. You know, Sheeta came out with Britt Baker, and I was like, why, is, why isn't Sheeta in this match? Agreed. Like, it doesn't, like, she was there, Marina Shafir was there with Nyla Rose, and, like... Sheeta should have been in that you know, match. They definitely, 
Yeah, but then again, it kind of kills the whole thing about giving other women opportunities. Like, I think it was it was good. It just freaking... I don't see the... Per- like, Sheeta didn't need to be out there. Or at least walking out with Britt Baker. Like, freaking... They could have Marina Shafir interfere and then have Sheena run out with her to defend her friend. And I think that would have been fine. But, like, her walking out, like, she's some second for Britt Baker. Yeah, that wasn't cool. It's like... I get that Britt Baker's the more popular and she's the... Uh, the bigger star, but Sheeta doesn't. Sheeta doesn't need to be anybody's friend. No, she she's good enough on her own. She's a singles player. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we got uh, Powerhouse Hobbs versus. Uh, you want to take point on this one? Yeah, no. We had a uh, Powerhouse Hobbs taking on freaking Caleb Crush, and freaking uh. You know, obviously a local talent, but um, no, it was cool. To, yeah, it was cool to see Caleb freaking get the reaction he did from the crowd. You know, he didn't come out here, you know, trying to be something he's not. He didn't really come out there trying to do anything. But the uh, the crowd knew who he was, and there was a Caleb chant. You know, it wasn't that loud, but yeah. it was loud enough. Everyone, uh, enough uh, it was loud enough. It, 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 it was loud enough that some stuff happened in that match that wasn't going to happen in that match. I can tell you that for a fact. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that because I was initially thought, okay, is he here to get stomped, or is he good enough to get a good fucking couple licks in before he does take the, you know, the the L? And he got a couple good licks in, man. It was good to see he him show off, Caleb style. He sold like yeah, a man. motherfucker. He did, but no, nah, man, freaking, um, <coughs> yeah, no, nah, he, uh, he did what was asked for of him and freaking got a reaction and got a, uh, got a, got a you know, there's definitely a, uh, notice about it and freaking, uh, the, uh, he, Hobbs definitely took advantage of the situation to get that extra heat and he got it. You know, it's not often that a, uh, you know, I mean, every now and again you'll get a decent little reaction from the uh, crowd for a local talent. But uh, to be a part of it is something cool because freaking it's that was our boy. Like you said, he's one of he's one of he's one of our guys. You know, he's one of our you know long-standing guys. I've known the kids since he was freaking sixteen. Freaking um, and it's good for him to get this opportunity, and it's good for him to. I think he kind of got a little bit rewarded with some of the stuff that happened in that match. I agree. I or agree. nothing else, like I said, Hobbs, Hobbs took advantage of the reaction he was getting to freaking get himself over even more. But in turn, put Caleb over too because he didn't. Yeah. He didn't look weak in that match. He he really did his best. He sold. He was strong. He got some good good hits in, good kicks in, and uh, yeah, he did the job. But but. Both of them walked away looking like a million bucks. Yeah. The one thing that uh, was interesting, interesting to me was that because um, I when he came out before the because uh, you know like they didn't play his, any of his music, he came out and I'm like, oh shit, that's Caleb, and these two kids in front of me, probably I want to say like 23, 24, um, they're like, hey, you know that guy? I'm like, yeah, he's one of our guys from our our old fed new era um he's a local guy like he's he's fucking great 
and they both looked at each other and then looked at me and was like, there's indie wrestling here? And, and I, just, <laughs> I, I just I just wanted to just slap the shit out of him. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a lot. I even I told him about all the feds I know, even the ones that we don't like. I'm like, just get out there, they're there. <laughs> and um, but yeah, Kate, you know, congratulations, Caleb Crush. Uh, wise investment on everyone's part. And glad to see Sean. I texted him. He wants to be on the show. So we'll see when that happens. Nice. Well, yeah, nah, man. Freaking, you know, it was, it was solid, man. Good uh, good effort, good match. Freaking, like I said, Hobbs, uh, Hobbs took advantage of the cheers he did here. And freaking see what happens with it. But uh, yeah, man, moves on to the uh, the main event, final match of the night. We got the uh, the acclaimed and Daddy S taking on Spanish announced project <laughs> in, the, in the main. They're there to get crushed. <laughs> yeah. But I gotta say, man, as much as they, uh, as obvious as it was, it was entertaining. You know, freaking Serpentico knows what is expected of him and freaking goes out there to give the best performance he can. Luther looked great, by the way. I haven't seen him look that good in a long time. Yeah, nah, man. Freaking, he's uh, definitely putting in the hours, having to have fun with it. Freaking, they're, they're a great team, those guys are. Freaking, they just got to... I mean, I'm not thinking they ain't got to do nothing. They're just freaking, they're a good team. They were fun. Yeah. I didn't, and forgive me, I'm not trying to be shitty because it's not about size, but I didn't realize, like, Age took one look at Serpenico and said, how the fuck did that guy get signed? Because he's got really, because Luther wanted him to get signed and Luther went out of his way to make him look good. That is literally what happened. Luther was like, I'm going to get you a job today and he did it. Good. Because he did a great job. It was funny watching uh, the acclaimed because, like, it's so much worse. It, it, scissoring is so much worse than suck it. <laughs> like, there's so much more involved in in the sleaze to understand what that really truly means than just the the chop suck it. <laughs> and I remember looking in the crowd and I see these two little kids that have the the scissor foam fingers and they're scissoring and I'm like. You're going to get in trouble at school tomorrow, kid. <laughs> a lot of trouble. <laughs> it's a sign of friendship and respect. I agree. But the uh, scissor move itself, I mean, like, honestly, like, that should hurt both of them equally. Yeah. But it's wrestling, so you let some stuff slide. Just a little bit. No problem. It's wrestling. Uh... Anything that stood out from that match? I mean, it was great. It was a great rampage, man. No, I mean, it was, it was it was a solid little match. Freaking, it wasn't anything. Uh, it wasn't anything to really to write home about as far as the actual wrestling. It was solid, but it wasn't wasn't anything mind blowing or life altering. The crowd stayed. Remember, I messaged yeah. you like uh, like let's watch and see how much the crowd stays. I I don't think I saw anybody leave. For, for Rampage. And you were paying attention quite a, 
quite a there was a little exodus after Rampage was over. There there was definitely a line of people leaving. It wasn't it wasn't I don't think like it was like a ridiculously large amount. It, it wasn't was enough, enough to Tony make the, himself. Not enough to make the visible crowd in hard cam look smaller. Yeah. yeah. There was enough people there that Tony Khan came out and like cut a promo being like, Hey guys, we still love Rampage, so hang on, don't leave. Yeah. So I mean there there, there was enough people that left that Tony Khan got worried. Well, we'll see. We've got Saturday to look forward to. It's this Saturday, right? What, for Rampage? No, for uh, the the Punk thing. Or is that next Saturday? Oh, no, that's the 17th. 17th, all right. Yeah, so it'll be a week from, a week from Saturday. Ooh. But I think it was a great show. Uh, Production-wise, I definitely was... I wish I could have been a fly on the wall, see how they were like monitoring things and like recording everything at once. Um, I liked the camera placement. There was actually one other camera. There was the, uh, the robot arm on the other side. Uh, so one, two, two robot arms. We've got the two turnbuckle cameras and at least three roamers. Do you notice, like, uh, I, we were thinking that that dude in the uh, the camera guy that looks like a ninja was like a obvious plant but apparently he's been like a camera guy there for a while but he just happens to wear the glasses and the mask every time yeah yeah no, I, was, I was making a joke saying it was obviously Colt Cabana yeah right gotta do something these days yeah, yeah I saw some promo he but, put uh, on the other day it was not good wrong but yeah, nah, man, freaking, uh, yeah, like I said, it was definitely a, uh, definitely a better show, freaking, better show to be at live, I feel like, I don't feel like I'd have gotten nearly as much out of it had I been <clears throat> just watching it at home. Right. I was actually surprised, great. freaking, I was actually really surprised that freaking, uh, Cassidy and Swerve opened instead of closed. I totally assumed they were going to be the main event. I felt like that was a much bigger match than Ricky Starks versus Switchblade. Uh, Switchblade, and that's you know again that goes back to the way the talent are presented. Like um, you know, Orange Cassidy is apparently a much bigger deal than Jay White, and whether that's something people agree with or not, it's kind of the way the it comes off. It is what it is, man. I mean, there's some of us that pay attention to what's going across the pond and the other side, too. And then there's people that just pay attention to what's going on in the States. And that's what they do. I mean, like, the fact that... I, I mean, I was analyzing the crowd. I was looking for people I knew or uh, people I've seen at, like, so many, like, recognizable fans. And I saw a lot more, like, unrecognizable faces that were, I guess, are just people that are more just watching it on TV and, you know, thank God they showed up here in the Springs and got the chance to go. I saw more of them than I did the the people that I see at religiously at, at all the feds here in general. So that was mm -hmm. nice. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I remember when we uh, going to the Broomfield show a couple years back, like two, two weeks before COVID really broke out. And I remember I couldn't walk more than like 10 steps before running into somebody I knew from either a current wrestler or a, uh, you know, a wrestler that was no longer wrestling and freaking having like stopping and having five, 10 minute conversations. 
Yeah. And like this time I could name the amount of guys on probably one hand that I saw at this show. And there were not there were not a lot of uh local wrestlers coming out and coming out for the show. Either that or at least not that I personally saw. Maybe. But it was what? a great time. It was good to see you. Um Love the fact that we were able to finally catch, like, dude, like, AEW's been, this is the fourth time they've been here in Colorado since, like, the first time they were here right before COVID, and this is the first time I actually got to go see him. <clears throat> nice to have that big yeah, room. No, I, uh, I teed us for the last one, but freaking, yeah. yeah uh, nice to have the, because uh, I was supposed to go to the last one, but freaking the blizzard, yeah. Yeah, there's no way you're driving a snow like that, absolutely fucking not. Nope. Yeah. I've done it plenty of times before, but... No, no. You've learned your lesson. <laughs> well, now, let's take a quick break before we get into some comics, unless you got more to uh, add to the show, man. No, I think that's good, man. I think we're good to go with that. It was a good little... Like I said, I enjoyed it. Freaking... I still kind of got my hang-ups with AEW, but... Oh, yeah, before we close on that, you, like, let's, let's talk about that, because you had your hang-ups with AEW... And now you're a little bit more resolved, and you wanted to go a little bit more into that. Yeah, yeah, freaking. I think, uh, like, I, I know the, the I, can ex- I can talk about the exact moment I kind of realized my whole theory, like, my whole thing with AEW is, you know, the, uh, there are two different types of people in AEW. They're the, the, it all comes down to this. There was a CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston promo, and they were just coming going at it really intense. Everything, you know, throwing all all their history into it, and like right afterwards, there was an in ring promo between Punk and Kingston, and like the next thing, we did a backstage promo setting up a match with uh, Adam Cole versus uh, Johnny Hunky, John Silver. And it was just a goofy comedy promo right after this intense promo. Like, not even a commercial break between them. And I was thinking about it, and I actually was watching um, an Impact Wrestling uh, this before the show, the, uh, the Under Siege show. And the opening match was Kenny King taking on Nick Aldis. And the whole time, Aldis, you know, the whole thing is built up about how Aldis... Uh, Kenny King is trying to get on Nick Aldis's level, and Kenny King's over here talking about how he's already surpassed Aldis, and Aldis is trying to work his way up to him. And Aldis is talking about how wrestling is predicated by levels, and there's certain levels you have to get to to move to the next level. And I think a lot of that is what AEW's problem is: is they're throwing these guys, you know, going back to the Ricky Starks versus um, Switchblade match is that Ricky Starks is not on the same level as Switchblade. And he should not be given Switchblade should not be given Ricky Starks so much because Ricky Starks needs to earn that spot. And it's kind of like he's just thrown in there and he's beating these guys and he's beating Jericho. And Jericho is even at his, his age Jerry, like Ricky Starks isn't at that level. Like you have to earn, you, you should be earning that victory over a Y, Chris Jericho. You should, and these guys just, just aren't being there. 
Yeah. It's like the, the whole pillars match at the pay-per-view. MJF winning that belt should put him on a different level. And these other three guys aren't at that level. And instead of putting MJF with somebody already established at that level, like, why didn't you do him versus Hangman Page for the belt? Or why didn't, you know, freaking even like an Adam Cole, which is what they're apparently starting to do now. Instead, you threw three guys that are currently, like, I'm not saying they can't get there, but they haven't been really given, they haven't been built up to that point. Like, Jungle Boy should be shooting for the TNT title right now. Like, he should be, he can't, you know, he, won't, he won't be the guy to beat Wardlow for it, but he could be the guy to beat the guy that beats Wardlow for it. And that's where you should be going, because it's a gradual, it's a step-by-step process. Like, Sammy Guevara should be doing more, but, like, all of a sudden, he's randomly a babyface, because that's the story that they're trying to tell now. There was no transition to being a babyface. He was Max's friend for two weeks, and then the next week he was a babyface. And like Darby Allen probably makes the most sense as becoming an actual main event guy, but have they really built him up to be a main event player? Now I hear your point. Like he, I hear your point about everything you're saying. You're correct in all this what you're really talking about is the abandonment of storytelling for something uh, what might be a better carrot in front of your face that might make more money or make maybe a little bit more exciting but you're still just abandoning a story and you're also neglecting the fact that some people shouldn't be where they are or or paying attention or let me phrase that not neglecting the fact what you're doing is putting people in a place where they don't belong Nick Aldis has been working his ass off. Like you picked the correct gentleman to make that fucking point. Um, you're, what I'm asking here is when you were talking about arriving to a conclusion about AEW, what are you getting at? Like I'm hearing you say that like the inmates are kind of running the asylum and like um, <clears throat> the shiny thing is a little bit more important than what makes sense and help me understand like your point here because you've got a lot of great points here but what's the what's the conclusion what's the thesis basically it's it's not saying the freaking forest for the trees it's you're you're wanting you're going for the quick easy pop like when darby beat uh, in his hometown darby beat samoa joe and then for the TNT for the TNT title, I think. And then two weeks later, he just lost it back to Samoa Joe. Like, yeah, it was a good it was a good pop that one night. But if Joe would have killed him, and they would have built it up for a couple months, and then he eventually really beat him, he would he would be higher on the pecking order, and it would be more believable to see him in a main event spotlight. Like, they're, they're just trying to hotshot stuff instead of the gradual build that it takes to make somebody a main eventer. Like, instead of Adam Cole, you know, earning a victory over Chris Jericho, 
he just he just beat him. What is a good foil? What is a good example of the exemplary way to build someone from the past that sticks out in your mind in terms of like great booking, great build story build up, great drama, great tension. What's a what what is a good foil? Just an AEW, Hangman Page. He he went for the world title. He lost to Jericho. He freaking he tried to get to him. He tried. He was gonna win the uh, the battle royal for the ring. He lost to MJF, and this started a down a descent to where he eventually had to build himself back up, earning victories to the point where he was a main event competitor. He still lost the title, or he still lost the belt, uh, the title match, but eventually beat Kenny Omega for it. Then he was able to legitimately have an hour-long match with Brian Danielson. Not that he won, but went to a draw. And then he eventually beat him at a next pay-per-view before eventually dropping the belt. But even since then, he's also been the one guy in AEW to hold multiple victories over John Moxley. That's how you build a star. And they have done that with nobody else. I've seen so many abandoned storylines, and I've gotten so used to it, I don't even notice it anymore. Yeah, and that's and that's the, that's the thing. They don't have like Ricky Starks is a main event is a main event guy tonight, but next week or it, in a month, next week somebody it's somebody else's turn. Then it's somebody else's turn. Then it's somebody else's turn. You need rest. Like I said, wrestling's predicated by levels. You, you can have multiple main event guys. When the, when the Attitude Era was hot, we had Stone Cold, we had The Rock, we had Triple H, we had Mick Foley, we had Undertaker, we had Kane. And then every now and again, you could bring up an X-Pac to challenge The Rock for the belt. X-Pac wasn't going to win the match, but he was going to have a heck of a showing against The Rock. Right. And it made him a bigger star because he was able to hang with the world champion. Not beat the world champion, but hang with him. And then he would go back to he would go back to like mid-card, but he would be higher mid-card to where you would expect him to be a, a win the European title or challenge for the Intercontinental title or be a world tag team champion. Because he got those experiences wrestling those top tier guides, he was able to do other things that validated him as a competitor. Might I interject with a comic book uh, similar parallel vibration in terms of like best okay. case booking? Everything that's been happening in the fucking Flash for the past two years, all all of okay. the all of the characters that have shown up did their part. Um, was part of the family. It made sense. Uh, there wasn't too many BS. Like someone died. You know. You know. Uh, Wally died, and we knew that was going to get fixed pretty quick. Um, we they, they put over the kids. They put over the family. They put over Mr. Terrific. They put over fucking Plastic Man. They put over everyone at that barbecue in the one-second war, and everyone had their own part, and it was believable. And, and we even had the interjection of uh, our homeboy intergalactic uh, wrestler, uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember. Bam, 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 or some of that. Yeah, it, it was great. Ultra bam, bam. Yeah, and um, it was great booking. Everyone made sense. It wasn't 
too much over-the-top comic book drama. Like, ooh, someone died. Like, this one's going to be the issue to, like, set aside and buy ten of. No. No. Like, everything is important. Or even, um, uh, to a smaller, more condensed sense, everything that's going on in Nightwing. Everything that happens in Bloodhaven right now is important. Titan's Tower's there. Like, they built up Bloodhaven as a character, like, the, the the episode or the issue where Bitewing got dognapped and they showed the whole layout of what Bloodhaven was. You saw people on their balconies, like, uh, watering their plants. They saw people watching things that probably they shouldn't be seeing so much violence, but they're used to and it made sense to them. Yeah. Uh, no, I, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. But I think, like I said, at the end of the day, it's just... If you want people to care, you have to give them a reason to care. Yep. It's literally that simple. Yeah. The one thing I will really not the only thing I can really knock AEW on uh, for being a live show that I will that I will hang my hat on. Their merch stand was garbage. Oh, it was tiny. Yeah, in, in, in like the 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 special shirts, I was there. It was it was a dog shit shirt. It was a yeah. rush shirt. None of the, I had, dude, I had a hundred dollars in my pocket to spend. Spent none of it. I didn't spend a dime there other than paying the ten bucks to fucking park because Cody drove. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, it just, it, dude, I, I won. I, we were all like, I'm gonna get you know this shirt, that shirt, this shirt. None of them were there. There wasn't even, there wasn't even a shirt for Mox. Yeah, they didn't have a Mox shirt. They had uh, the they had like what? They two had Adam Cole. Shirts. They had the acclaimed. Um, I think an AEW shirt and the I was there shirt. I was like, and you but you could buy like title belts, and I was like, you got to be like I I walked by it. I was like, this is it. Like, I got a like, shot. I want to spend money. I want to spend money here, and you guys aren't giving me anything worth anything to look at. Okay, so they had hundred dollar. AEW figures signed. Uh, Chris Joko Lionheart hundred dollars signed. Uh, they had uh, a Sheeta hundred dollars signed figure that's already on the wall. Um, pictures not that good. They've got a couple little tiny flags: All Elite Wrestling, uh, a Denhausen, and then a kind of tie-dyed Elite. I'm better than you, MJF, which looks like shit. The heart and soul and spirit of the elite. Scissor me. The Adam Cole shirt. The kind of bullshit dynamite. Everyone on it. And then a hoodie and a, a zip-up hoodie and a pullover hoodie. And then the eye was there. A bunch of little uh, micro-brawlers of Danhausen and Claudio. And that was shit. <laughs> <laughs> that was nothing. Yeah, yeah. That, that was like if I had to knock anything about the live experience, that would be the one big thing. I'd be like, dude, this isn't like this should be better. You had money to spend, and they didn't let you. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I seriously pulled out a hundred dollars cash just to freaking spend the money on the you know get my kid a shirt. At least last time they had the iHeart AEW shirt, which what we got him. Yeah, and freaking, I was like. You're not even like you don't even have anybody. Like, okay, people like Adam Cole. I don't think I saw anybody walking around in one of those shirts. You always see people like go to the bathroom and change into their AEW shirts. Like people, 
wore AEW shirts, but not one person that I see wearing the shirts that were available to buy right then and there. I saw a couple people wearing the uh, I'm Better Than You MGF shirts, but that was such a lazy shirt. It's just a bullshit thing. They all were. They were all like generic shirts that just were like they were like third rate AEW shirts that like you could freaking buy at like Target. Yeah, the Scissor Me shirt is the same font uh, that the uh, Michael Nakazawa shirt was. It just was pink and bigger. Wow. Wow. And Nakazawa's shirt, the gimmick was that it was plain and bullshit, and that was funny about it, and that was, was cool about it, but a pink Scissor Me shirt. Yeah. And the freaking dude, they're one of your top acts. They're easily one of the top two or three most popular tag teams in your division. You got FT, you got FTR, the Lucha Brothers, and them. Well, they had an acclaimed necklace. Yeah, that's pretty much all I see. The only thing, uh, the only thing I don't see that's on the uh, the photo of the cage is the uh, Scissor Me foam fingers. Yeah, I saw a couple of those, and that was it. But still, good time. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, that was that was my one big knock. That's the one thing they really, you know, should have been better about the live experience in twenty twenty three. Yeah, apparently they're going to come back in September, so uh, that'll be awesome. They're going to come uh, come back to Broomfield. They're not coming to the Springs, but yeah, at least they're uh, at least they got something coming up at the end of the year. So that'll be nice. Well, let's take a break, man. Guys, back from a little break. Nice, wonderful, exhausting night of some good professional wrestling. Now we got to do a little bit of some comics, obviously, because that's the we do the tete a tete back and forth, and we always lead it off with uh, what's in the box. That is true. That is true. I would like to show off my ice cream man number one. Okay. Depending on who you are or where you are, you might get this for $20. You might get it for $300. The reason I bring it up, not because I just happen to not be a Johnny-come-lately, is I bring this up probably like once a quarter. Take a chance on a, on a weird-looking book. Not because it's worth a lot right now, but Ice Cream Man is one of the most introspective uh, chance-taking comic books there is out there. It's not the prettiest book to look at, but it is definitely 100% well-formed. Uh, it's not like, when I say it's not the prettiest book to look at, I'm not talking about like the way you would describe like, you know, most issues of Sandman that are horrible to look at, but the writing's good. No. Yeah. It's just different. And uh, it doesn't matter if you know anything about the Ice Cream Man. 
Um, think of it like uh, the Crypt Keeper. That's a little bit more involved in the stories. And the point being, take a chance on an indie book and have some fun. It's not about whether or not it's the next big, big image. You know, there's five printings of it. and Thank God you got the first. Just take a chance. Just want to pull that up, especially after tonight, after all the chances that we took. Talking about different <laughs> subjects of the... Uh, we're pretty a little bit deep on the wrestling. But yeah, not definitely. We got to. There's some people you need to take a chance on. What do you got? All right. So I've been uh, meaning to pick this up for a while now. Kind of been uh, dabbling in some ideas about uh, growing the uh, brand in a couple different ways. Of course. So I figured I'd take a look. And I picked up, got sent in the mail today. Picked it up after the show. Got uh, the comic book CPR guide. Oh yeah, what's to that? Restore, to cleaning, pressing, and renewing old comic books. Oh yeah. So looking to delve into this a little bit and maybe try my hand at uh, cleaning up some older books. I'm a big, uh, real big fan of Silver Age, and I uh, got quite a decent little Uncanny X Men collection. There's definitely some books that could use some uh, extra love. So I figured I'd uh, take a look and see what I can do about making that happen. I have a shitload of extra Silver Age uh, size um, bags and boards already. Bag and boards, I'm going to make a little trade. Oh, nice, nice. Figure something out. Does it have any uh, any guidance there to properly store? Or... We haven't got a chance to really thumb through it yet. No, not too much. This is more cleaning and pressing and fixing up older books. Not so much as far as storing them to keep them solid beforehand. But like I said, I haven't gotten too much of a chance to really delve into it. So there might be some stuff in there that I haven't come across as of yet. How much was it? Uh, I think it was like, let's see, it was $39.99. Cool. Sounds like a solid investment, man. Especially, uh, yeah. the more I uh, dig into uh, writing in my Grail Diary, like I finally solidified what I thought I had three weeks ago or a month ago of the full comprehensive Lady Death list. It took me like referencing a few different people's lists until, I mean, don't get me wrong, my list might be wrong. But I organized things by date, and there was a couple comprehensive lists that had the wrong dates or didn't have it correctly in order. Mm. But also reference books I didn't even know existed or were in the uh, the comic book Overstreet book. Um, but definitely worth the investment. It's a it's a nice little deep dive. I like taking notes like that. But this book sounds like something that everyone should invest in. From what I understand, once you get kind of start delving into the idea of cleaning and pressing, it kind of adds a whole new uh, intricacies into buying books. Because now you're like, if I get that book, you know, what can I do to make it better? Yep. So could be could be interesting to see what happens. Once I kind of take a look at it and get the uh, get the equipment, we'll see what uh, what happens. 
Well, we'll see, man. Could be some fun. If nothing else, lead to some fun videos and whatnot. 100%, man. Or videos that need to be immediately deleted and this never happens. <laughs> Especially if things go wrong. <laughs> exactly. You gotta, you gotta learn to crawl before you can walk and mistakes will be made, I'm sure. For sure. I've got a couple books. I wouldn't mind uh, experimenting on that. It might be worth... Uh, shit, man. I probably have like fucking like nine different like variations of the first spawn issue. But up. Take a look, see what happens. <laughs> you wanna do Batman? Yeah, sure. Let's see. So we're really kinda of getting into Donna DC with Batman. We got issue one thirty six. Batman just came back from the uh, the alternate dimension. And he uh opened up and he's getting tested by uh, Mr. Terrific. Kind of running some tests on him, making sure he's okay after his Interdimensional trips. So, yeah, we come back and it's kind of everybody's everybody's worried about good old bats, and he's trying to basically compartmentalize that you know Batman's fine. He's not telling them how uh, how Bruce is reacting to everything. You notice the whole time he's got a a glove over his right hand. Because we're full Luke Skywalker in here, right? Yep. Yeah, he has a, uh, he's meditating and ends up having an interesting conversation with Batman of Zoranar. Talking about what, uh, failsafe and how Zoranar basically sent failsafe after him. For killing the penguin. And then we end up finding out that the uh, penguin's kids have not only taken over the Iceberg Lounge, uh, two of his many children, from what we understand. Correct. But they are also operating smaller casinos for the, the more elite uh, clientele that don't want to be seen. And Batman shows up at one and the twins are there and the brother ends up kind of taking it to Batman a little bit. He's unprepared for, uh, for the battle. I mean, he ends up walking away the winner, but it takes him far longer than it should normally to handle somebody with, uh, his experience level. Yeah. But we also, uh, we also find out that Catwoman broke out of jail. And Batman's going to find her, because of course he is. You know, she's hiding out in the East End, you know, uh, incognito with a, with a yeah, wig and different. You know, she's well hidden. Well, and Batman confides in her, tells her what he was doing in this alternate dimension. And she ends up kind of telling him everything. You know, she's like, you know, she's you know, she tells him that Penguin's actually still alive, and Batman freaks out because the whole reason Failsafe came after him was because he killed the Penguin. And it turns out this whole time, the one of the people he, yeah, he trusts, knew and kept that from him. Well, she and wasn't there during the fight. Failsafe showed up out of nowhere. 
Yeah, but uh, Selena, if Selena told him beforehand, failsafe could have been avoided. And Selena calls him out on it because she's like, you know, we're not supposed to have secrets. And she's like, all we are is secret, uh, are secrets. You know, she's like, I love you, but this is, this is the life we chose. And he keeps bringing up the other Selena in this alternate reality. And she's, you know, she's just, she's done with it. She's like, I'm not some other Selena. You know, she's like, I'm me. And I didn't know you created some robot to kill yourself. Right, but then we've got and the scene right before that where he says I was in another universe, another Gotham. There was a Selena there too, and I couldn't help but love her too. That's the kind of love, the kind of hold you have on me. And then just the slight pause, and she betrayed me. Like, just, yep. <laughs> Not the yeah. right Selena. Eh, are they ever the right Selena, though? That's kind of the question. Because Lord knows she's done it to him as well. But nothing to the point where we actually destroy him or kill him. There's always some profit. <laughs> some sort of secret. Yeah. Some sort of game. Yeah, he did go off the deep end for quite a few few times. But you know, as he's trying to deal with this and these new revelations, apparently something going on, a sensor is going off in the manor. He's running back to handle that because, you know, he doesn't live there anymore, but, you know, so much of his life is still wrapped around Wayne Manor. And turns out all the rest of the Bad family are there, and they figure this is the only way to, to talk to him. They're he in has the, to finally kind of open up. They're in the little yeah. um, kitchen from the first Batman movie. Not exactly the same, but it's still, it's not the giant one that you know that Alfred could whip up some giant gourmet meal for like a thousand debutantes, but it's the little one where they ha they really have their interactions and where family dinner happens. But yeah, uh, Tim points out that uh, Batman's still wearing his gloves at the dinner table. And as he sits down, Bruce realizes how nice this is. Everyone's kind of together. All good to go. But the uh, the last moment, the last image, is him realizing that this is can only go so far before it all burns away. And the last image is him freaking out while everybody he loves is burning at the dinner table. What do you think this is leading to? Uh, I think this is all leading to um, Durin Ra. Uh, whatever, whatever they're calling the next series, the, the Nightmare Night or whatever it is, Nightmare. I think this is exactly where it's leading. You know, and then we got the uh, the B story, which is Batman is R and R building failsafe, and keeps. You know, they have a little battle. Trying to see if Failsafe's ready, and it's not. So, Batman is R and R goes back to the drawing board to make sure it is the uh, perfect killing machine to kill Batman. 
Or there's another and one. it's all fine and dandy until he takes the mask off. And then as soon as he takes the mask off, he goes from being Zurinar to being Bruce and going back to a normal case where he's looking for the Calendar Man and Riddler. So we find out that Batman actually has absolutely no knowledge and kind of is just switching back and forth between Batman and Zurinar. The artwork in the B story here is kick ass, by the way. This is some this is some fun, whimsical, like giving some like young blood a shot. That's got a completely different style. I love it. Yeah, no, it's solid, and it definitely uh definitely helps separate the A story from the B story. I don't have much for this week, man. Like uh, we went through a lot of uh, books last week, but um, the one book that I've been wanting to get caught up on is the Spider-Man Twenty Ninety Nine Dark Genesis book, which initially really turned me off because the uh, issue number one, which is actually uh, Legacy uh, issue ninety three of Spidey Twenty Ninety Nine, mm-hmm. it's got the homage, you know, Maximum Carnage cover, and you know, I'm uh, we talked about it last time we were hanging out. You know, I was popping for like you know Twenty Ninety Nine Carnage because I'm. Um, huge carnage mark and um we we start here in nueva new york skyrise uh where a person we know little to nothing about eric black he's in his panic room and uh where we left spidey 29 was the um in nueva new york alchemex had established a um kind of like a social credit score what's going on in china right now type system or you're an aluminum card you're bronze you know like not bronze but like aluminum platinum triple platinum but then there was the black cards um working any customer service job you've ever worked have you ever gotten a black amex someone handed you no black amex is invite only it's actually a real thing there's you can put a lamborghini on on a black amex card Invite only. Nice. Invite only, but the black cards here are the upper echelon, the elites of Nueva New York, and uh, Miguel O'Hara has, along with um, a new uh, Spider Woman who is an alien and a digitized version of the Spirit of Vengeance uh, Ghost Rider, have exposed the black cards for their crimes against humanity and crimes, financial crimes, and the people are rioting against the black cards. This Eric Black gentleman here, uh, in his panic room, the only thing he has left to defend himself is something that he took from Alchemex, having been experimented on himself. And it's a sliver of the uh, Venom symbiote they experimented on to be the ultimate, like, cure for everything. And this was kind of like the bastard son of it. And he had it he had it there and decided to break open the canister and let carnage reign. And that's what happened. He breaks out of his panic room, kills all the uh, Nueva New Yorkers there that are there to rob him and punish him for whatever crimes that he may or may not have committed. They're just there to kill some rich people. And we've got going on here the Alka News Online. Breaking it down. What did Spidey just do? And finds out that the black cards are being targeted. 
but then we've got a problem with a new carnage. The difference between this carnage, it's not Cletus Cassidy, and it, in no way do they reference that it's in any way something to do with like the original carnage symbiote, and it needs blood. It needs blood, and this is a five-issue series. I'm trying to like break it down in my head like what I should and should not say because I cannot tell you the last time I had this much fun reading a comic book so quickly but still slaving over every little detail. This was action-packed. We've got a new Moon Knight. Uh, Khonshu is not happy with what's going on in New York. Uh, the new Venom is a, a small girl whose father works at Alchemex that was given the uh, symbiote to cure her. The symbiote uh, is extremely similar to original Venom when it comes to like wanting brains or like you know just killing people in general that deserve it and having a fight with it. Uh, the Blade 2099, it was extremely interesting because he's not a vampire. He's a zombie. Yeah, he's a zombie. He's a zombie. And he's got a, like, uh, one of the first uh, scenes with him within this uh, story was very similar to a couple of panels of uh, one of my favorite issues of uh, Demo, uh, Volume 2 by Becky Cloonan and Brian Wood, an uh, issue called Pangs, where it's about a cannibal. And um, some of the scenes were a little similar, um, but we've got um, Carnage is taking over. Carnage reigns like one of the uh, within the first three issues of Carnage, the first appearance of Carnage with that three issue series. You know, he wants to inspire people to, you know, anarchy. Well, this one is trying to inspire you uh, to um, go against all the upper echelon of. Uh, Alchemex and all the people in Nueva New York that are better than you, that owe you something, and you also owe your allegiance to Carnage, and you should be part of the Hive and give me your blood. Also, Alchemex thinks it's a good idea to lock the doors of all of the hospitals and up the cost of any any medical treatment. So even if like you were promised with whatever card you have, like the bottom one being aluminum, and uh, the black cards were eliminated, but all of a sudden there's a new ultra platinum. <laughs> like, it's not a black card, but you're still better than the platinums. But if you don't have this card, you can't get medical treatment. And it is a race to stop the people that are giving the blood to Carnage as he gets bigger and bigger. And a hive mind, they die. All of a sudden, they're zombies. Obviously, we've got Blade, but it is a race to stop this because they are on their way to the main teleporter system, like going to Grand Central Station instead of taking a bunch of trains to transmit a virus and they'll eventually get there in one or two days. This is a teleporter system. It's going to be everywhere instantly, and Carnage is going to reign, and Miguel O'Hara... Uh, combined with uh, the new version of a uh, ghostwriter who is like shamelessly f flirting with Miguel's you know AI that helps them all the time like they're they're waiting for this to end so they can actually get a like a digital room like there are so many little nuances here five issues extreme action extreme character development um, without you even really noticing it like um, our version of the Punisher here was supposedly dead like he's basically three quarters of a face 
from the jaw down is missing a spine a heart and lungs and they put them in like like a robot suit and let them loose we've got I couldn't put it down man like uh, honestly that's all I really want to tell you because uh, this is right up there with Age of Ultron last time I enjoyed something so beginning to end that really may or may not may not matter but because it's so good, like it's this is gonna be something in the future. I'm really I'm loving it, man. Yeah, no, it was solid, man. Um, like either last issue or this issue, they brought out Daredevil 2099. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that was a lot of fun. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Uh, it was, you know, it's basically you know this small cadre of superheroes trying to beat back this army of people to keep them from transport from teleporting to get. To make you know the problem that's in current uh, in New Wave of New York into keep it from becoming a global pandemic, correct? Of people trying to you know to feed Carnage, and there the whole thing is that you know they're talking about you know how Carnage is all about killing the black cards, but Spider Man had already eliminated black cards except for the one that is Carnage now, and that these people are fighting. For the same guy who is a black card, and they have no idea. <laughs> they have no idea. Yeah. Plus, we get yeah, Halloween no, they, Jack. Yeah, he's a uh, classic X Men twenty ninety nine villain who's been around since the nineties. Who doesn't really get nearly the play he uh, he should for a character being as cool as he is. Kind of interesting, making him the uh, the hype man for Carnage to just kind of feed into the chaos. That's what he's all about. He was, he was a hundred percent the hype man. <laughs> he was a hundred percent the hype man. But uh, oh, yeah, no, they were able to beat him back and save the day, and Miguel O'Hara shall return. I was about to say it's been a long time since I've popped over a random page like that. You know the way like they always say, you know, Star Lord will return or Guardians of the Galaxy will return. Like, good. That's all I needed to know. Or the way that the, the exclamation point at the end of Deadpool when he comes back to the Ferris Bueller thing and he's like, oh, by the way, we're doing part two and we're bringing Cable. Fucking, that's all I needed to know. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for justifying my love. Like, that was great. And then now we're going to get something just as good. Thank you very much. That's all I needed. Like, I will be there when it happened. But yeah, no, this was a there was a great little story. Like I said, they introduced a bunch of characters that were new, quite a few that were that I didn't know about previously. So it's kind of always a good thing to yeah, get those new characters rolling, getting you know keeping something going with the, the twenty ninety nine universe. Yeah. Well, uh, that's all I got for this episode, man. Fucking, I say. Um, we do a couple more. You want to do a uh, Forbidden Door predictions this weekend? It's coming oh, up we fast. Got weeks before. Yeah, but we've only, they've only announced two matches so far anyway. Yeah, you're, oh yeah, you're right. So we got we got at least a few weeks before it comes out. But yeah, we should definitely do one. Now, next week, I definitely want to talk about Local Man, uh, Peace, uh, Peacekeeper Tries, um, Part 2, uh, Elvira... And a book I got by Steve Niles and Glenn Fabry. 
called uh, Lot 13. Nice, okay. Glenn Frab would be one of the, uh, the greater painters of our generation, doing all of the best uh, preacher and um, Hellblazer covers, man. But I think it's my turn. Sweet, sounds like a plan. Guys, this is Minefields. This is Tony Morales, Joshua Michael. <sighs> this is dangerous, and this transmission is over. Oh,